we are we are looking at uh, Mark chapter seven. We're going to start reading at verse fourteen today. Uh, you remember a couple of weeks ago where we left off. Um, Jesus was uh, teaching, and the uh, it, it was in among in and amongst the crowd, and they were having a meal together. And the Pharisees and the religious elite saw what was happening, saw that the disciples weren't washing their hands as was the tradition. And, um, and they confronted Jesus and said, why, why don't your disciples follow the tradition of the ancients, of our elders? And Jesus talked about how, how easily we can fool ourselves by a religious exterior and miss the fact that our heart is far from God. And in fact, not only do we have a problem with just having that religious facade and that dark heart, but actually that facade hides our own rebellion against God's commandments. Jesus spoke very pointedly towards these Pharisees and challenged them on, on the way that they were allowing their own human traditions that had that air of religiosity, but they were using that to then go against the command of God, the, the essential commands of honoring your father and mother. In this passage, Jesus is now, he's had that conversation with the religious elite as they've challenged them. Jesus now is directing his attention and his words to the rest of the people that are there. Um, and, and he's highlighting for them the, the hypocrisy that there is um, in, in the, the, outward, the outward expression, the outward trappings of our religious rituals. So we're going to start reading at verse, seven, uh, verse 14 of chapter 7. So Jesus called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but is the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered into the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about this parable. And he said to them, are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not into his heart, but into his stomach, and then is expelled? The ESV pretties up that word a little bit. It's, it's not quite so pretty in the, the Greek. It talks more about not just being expelled, but going into the latrine or to the privy, whatever you want to use. So he's talking about what we're eating, and then it, it doesn't go into our heart, but it goes into our stomach and then out. Thus he declared all foods as clean. And Jesus said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, 
coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they are what defile a person. Lord Jesus, help us to understand this passage, things that you were communicating to those people in that time. But then even more so, Father, uh, Jesus, what you are saying to us here this morning. Help us to hear from your spirit and, and to be open to, to that work of refining and purifying in our hearts here this morning. Jesus' name, amen. Jesus declared all food as clean. This was a big deal within the Jewish framework because it had become such... Um, and it, let me just use the word, the in, an invasive part of their everyday life. There wasn't any, any point, any day, any moment that that idea of, of clean and unclean food wasn't somehow in the forefront of their, of their thoughts. I um, was talking with Danielle just uh, the other week when we were uh, sharing about this, and, and she comes from a Jewish background and talked about how in her house growing up, there was the different dishes that were used for preparing different kinds of food um, so that there was, there was no chance of, of having um, uh, that, which I, I guess the, the idea was that there would be no chance of, of something that was used with milk would ever get in contact with something that was used with meat. Because as you read the, the laws that God laid out for Moses and the people of Israel, uh, that was part of their whole thing. And so, so even the, the, the kind of dishes that you had, which dish you were using for, for what particular preparation, for what particular kind of food, was right there. It was everything that they were doing um, had, had, had this, this central emphasis on, on being careful not to become unclean. And, and, and that there is a biblical precedent for that. We, uh, we go back to, to Leviticus, um, and there was, there was many of the, uh, of the laws that God had given through Moses that had to deal with um, clean and unclean food. And then specifically, uh, those, those animals that were considered clean and which were considered unclean. And we find that in Leviticus 11. Feel free to flip your Bible over there. We're not going to go into too much depth, but I, I'd like you to be able to see, and, and we'll read a little bit about uh, what were some of, those, some of those instructions. Leviticus 11, and, and the whole chapter deals with clean and unclean animals. Verse 1, and the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron and saying to them, speak to the people of Israel, saying, these are the living things that you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Whatever parts, uh, whatever parts the hoof and is cloven-footed footed, and chews the cud, among these animals you may eat. Nevertheless, among those that chew the cud 
or part the hoof, you shall not eat of these. The camel, because it chews the cud, but it does not, have, does not part the foot, um, it is unclean to you. Uh, the rock badger, because it chews the cud, but does not part the hoof, is unclean to you. The hare, because it chews the cud, but does not part the hoof, so on and forth, so forth. That we come to the pig. The pig's the famous one, um, because it parts the hoof, but it doesn't chew the cud. It is unclean to you. You shall not eat any of their flesh, and you shall not touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. And then it goes into even more. Things that are in the water, you can eat. But things that don't have fins, you shouldn't eat. Things that don't have scales, you should regard them as detestable. Um, things that, that, uh, that fly, the, the birds of the air, there are some that you should stay away from. And it lists a number of the the different types of, of birds that we need to stay away from. Verse 20 talks about winged insects that go on all fours are detestable among you, so on and so forth. Um, verse 24, and by these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches their carcass shall be unclean until evening. And it goes into details about how to purify yourself. You see, this is there's, there's quite a bit of detail, and you would need to pay attention to these kinds of things because the whole idea of clean and unclean has very much to do about your participation in the community, the community of, of the Jewish people. More importantly, it has to do with your participation in the ritual worship of the temple, that for those who are unclean could not participate in, in the offering of sacrifices, the giving of offerings. They wouldn't be able to even enter the table. They wouldn't be involved in, in the prayers that were going on there. Uh, so this was a, a, a big deal, and, and, and they needed to, to pay attention to, to all these things that were, being, um, that were being laid out for them. Why? Valid question. Um, I think for the, for us in a, a modern age that that has greater awareness of of germs and and parasites and some of those kinds of things, some of this stuff makes sense. We know that that pigs are notorious for uh, getting parasites, and uh, and they often very easily pass on those parasites. And so there, you know, you can kind of understand why a, a pig would, you would want to tell your people to avoid eating pigs because you wanted them to stay away from, from uh, some of those dangers. We know the danger of self, shellfish, that, that uh, sometimes they have those, uh, the bacteria that's in them that can be unhealth, unhealthy for you. Um, there are also some, some uh, ritualistic reasons that we can understand. I was talking with Danielle, that, that whole need for separating the dishes goes back to the instructions that God gave them of how they were not to cook a, a goat kid in its mother's milk. Uh, and that's because part of the fertility worship of the Asherah um, involved milking a goat and then uh, cooking its, its, the, the, its child, the, the kid, the offspring, in that milk as part of the call for Ash, Asherah to, uh, to bring fertility to the land and to, uh, to help the crops to grow and all that kind of stuff. And so part of it was God was giving some of these instructions to keep them away from some of these uh, uh, pagan worship 
things that were going on in, in, um, in Canaan where they were being brought as the people of Israel, the people of God. Uh, so you can understand there are some health benefits. Uh, there are some ritualistic benefits. The only reason that God gives, though, um, he, he tells them there in verse 44 of chapter 11 of Leviticus. And this, this is the reason that God gives for why they need to observe clean and unclean animals. Verse 44, for I am Yahweh, the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Holiness is, is a big term and encapsulates a lot of different ideas, but, uh, but ultimately it, it, it means to be set apart. Set apart for, for uh, uh, righteous or for, uh, for the purposes of God, for the divine, um, uh, divine tasks and purposes. God is holy. He is completely other, and, 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 and even though he, he engages in, and interacts with us as human beings, there is a, a separateness, a, 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 um, a perfection that we can never attain to, that we would never be able to, to actually encounter in a real way without his protection and, and guidance or, or guard on our part. So, so God is set apart, and he calls his people to also be set apart for his purposes. So that everything that we do brings honor and glory to him. And so when God calls his people to be holy, that means to be set apart from the rest of the nations of the world. Not set apart as in isolated so they don't have any contact or, or no, no opportunity to extend the love of God into people of other nations, but set apart so that they would be distinct. There would be something that would be different about them. So the rest of the world, when they looked at the Jewish people, they would see that there was something special about these people, that their unique relationship with God transformed them into something that was altogether different. They had different morals. They did have, they had different standards. Um, uh, they, they, they ordered their life differently than the rest of the world. And so part of this, this restriction on their diet, because it was so pervasive, like they had to be paying attention to this every day, many times throughout the day, it was a reminder for them that they were distinct. That they didn't live the same way as other people. There actually was nothing wrong with these animals that were considered unclean. We know that because back in Genesis 9, God gives Noah instructions as part of his new covenant after coming out of, of the, the ark and, and God blessing um, Noah, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 1, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
There's a restating of the mandate of humanity, our calling as people. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens and upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Again, reiterating our dominion, our authority, the, the, the leadership that we have within creation to lead all of creation into worship of God. Get back to the right place here. Into your hand they are delivered. Verse 3, every moving thing that lives, every. I always ask that question. What does every exclude? Nothing. Every living, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. So I had a, a prof in, in a Bible school who asked the question. Here at Noah, God says he can eat the pig. Then we get to Leviticus. God says you can't eat the pig. Now we get over here to Mark, where Jesus is saying, you can eat the pig again. And his question is, what happened to the pig? How did the pig change over these years, these different covenants, these different interactions that, that somehow made it less palatable or good for food? I'm a big fan of pig. Nothing changed with the pig. Nothing changed with these unclean animals. It wasn't suddenly that they were, uh, that, that something had, had fundamentally changed in what they were that made them unclean for people to eat. It, this was part of God's work in the, in the people of Israel to set them apart from the rest of the nations, that they were to, to uphold this and to follow through this because, because they were to be holy, set apart for God's purposes. Jesus now comes, and he is redefining what it means to be clean and unclean. And Jesus, by his declaration, is saying that nothing that you put into yourself can defile you. There's nothing that you can put into your mouth that will make you unclean, unacceptable to God unable to, to have relationship with God, to break fellowship somehow with our Creator. The problem isn't what we put into our mouth. The problem is what's inside of us. That we just can't help but bring back out. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting and, and I think important to remember where Mark is getting his information from. Mark was a, a, a disciple of Peter's. Uh, he, he listened to the teachings of Peter. And when Peter, uh, tradition tells us that when Peter was put in prison and likely when he was uh, uh, crucified, executed, martyred uh, by Nero, that Mark determined that he should write down this account, the things that he had heard from Peter, so that, that the following generations would be able to know the teachings of Jesus and, and be able to follow Jesus. 
So his, his little editorial little statement here, thus he declared all foods clean, wasn't just Mark hearing what Jesus had said and making his own interpretation to say that this is true. This is coming from Peter. Let's remember what we know about Peter. He had another experience very similar to this idea of clean and unclean animals, right? In Acts chapter 10, um, you, you, can, you can turn there if you'd like. We're not going to read through it, but, but basically it is the, uh, the description where where Peter was in, in uh, uh, Joppa, right? Peter was in Joppa, and he was at somebody's house relaxing, catching some rays up on the roof. And as he slept, God put him in his sleep. God revealed a dream, a vision to him, where there's this giant sheet that was in the sky that was lowered down in front of him that was full of unclean animals, all of those things that we read about back from Leviticus 11, uh, the, the camel, the pig, the, the, uh, the falcon, uh, the eels, all the rest of that unclean animal was lowered down in front of him. And, and God from heaven spoke or a voice from heaven spoke to him and said, get up, kill and eat. Peter said, Lord, no unclean animal has ever crossed these lips. I'm not going to risk my salvation, my fellowship with God by, by going against what the command said. Uh, Lord, I could never do that. And again, the voice says, get up, kill, and eat. And Peter again says, Lord, I could never do that. And then God says to him, what the Lord has declared clean. Don't you dare call it unclean. Peter realized that God had, had changed or, or taken away that restriction about clean and unclean animals. Um, the purpose of that, and we see that the, the, the reason for this was because God had a, a deeper lesson for, for Peter as well. It wasn't just about what kinds of food he could eat. It was also about whether the Gentiles would be included in the church of God as a part of the family, the followers of Christ, whether they would be invited. And right after this vision is, is happened and, and Peter is convicted and says, yeah, I won't call what is clean to be unclean because God has declared it to be clean. And then Cornelius, the, the, the um, uh, uh, messengers from Cornelius, the, the, the Roman centurion who was a follower of God, arrived and called Peter to come and speak. And it was because of this vision that God had given Peter, he realized that God had now included the Gentiles as part of the family of God. Go back to Mark. We're not going to get into this, but look at what are the stories that follow right after this. You see the, the titles there likely in your Bible. Jesus ministers to the Syrophoenician woman, a non-Jew, 
a Gentile who comes and asks Jesus for his blessing, for a healing for her daughter. And Jesus says, I've come for the Jews, for the children. I wouldn't throw crumbs to the dogs. She says, at least they get the crumbs. I'll take the crumbs. I'll take whatever I can get. And God, Jesus recognizes her faith and heals her daughter. Um, We're going to get into that next week. The next one, verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. We've talked about the Decapolis already. That was the region where the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons was. It was a predominantly Gentile region. They were the ones who were herding unclean pigs, right? And Jesus goes there, and what does he do? He feeds 4,000 of these unclean Gentiles. Just as Peter's vision that he had led him to see that God was including the Gentiles, so also here in Mark, this, this connection between unclean food and clean food and how all things are now clean are followed by stories that are talking about the inclusion, Jesus' ministry, to us, the Gentiles. Kind of interesting. Jesus then goes to talk about what really is our problem. It's not about the things that we eat. But the problem is the condition of our heart. That there is a a defilement, a darkness that is there within us. That until that gets changed, we will continue to be defiled. We will continue to get ourselves into trouble. It's not what goes into the body, but rather what comes out of the body. And what comes out is an indication of what is in your heart. I told Zach I was going to do this demonstration this morning. I got Diet Coke, and I got Mentos. <laughs> Some of you have watched YouTube. What happens when you take a Mentos and you put it in a bottle of Diet Coke? Right? What happens if you try, if you put Mentos in a bottle of Coke and you try and stop it from spurting out? I don't want to clean up in here, so I'm not actually going to do that. <laughs> we might do it out on the lawn later on. I told Zach he could do it outside afterwards. So if you want to see, that's going to be happening after the service. But it doesn't matter what you do to try and hold what's in, it's going to come out. Whatever way that it can. That's the same with our heart. If this is our heart, And these are the circumstances of life. When we go through life, we can't avoid the 
the, the problems, the, the, the conflicts, the, the sorrows, even the joys. When we encounter the situations, the circumstances of life, and they go inside, there's no way we can stop that coming out. Doesn't matter how hard you hold your mouth. Doesn't matter how hard you discipline yourself so that you don't react the way that you don't want to react. Eventually, it all comes out. That's why Jesus says that we need a pure heart. That we need a change of heart. We don't need all of the, the, the darkness and all of the junk that is there within our sinfulness. We need a new heart that's purified with him so that when the circumstances of life, nothing. We're able to, to respond. We're able to deal with whatever comes to us, whether it is, whether it is a, a, a fight with your mate, whether it is getting criticized by your boss, whether it is challenge from your kids. doesn't matter what circumstances come. Oops, sorry, I got your music wet. It doesn't come pouring out that darkness, that blackness, that ugliness that we try so desperately to keep down. It doesn't come pouring out of our life because Christ is in control. He's given us a new heart, and it's not full of all of that darkness anymore. That's why that passage from Psalm 51 is so appropriate. I repeat that. And they're actually, the Soifers are going to sing that song for us later on. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Because I can't do it on my own. I need your transforming power to come in, to touch my life to turn me around. And that's what Jesus is saying to these people. What he's saying to his disciples, don't you know, it doesn't matter so much what you put in, it's what comes out that gets in the trouble. And, and Jesus' promise out of all of this is that, that in him, we are made a new creation. Old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. So I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the power of his name, for the glory of his name, in the strength and in the righteousness of his character, of his fruit in my life. I don't know where you are at. I don't know what circumstances of life you're facing today. But there is no better test of seeing what your life is, what your heart condition is, than letting those life circumstances come and fall on your life. Have you been disappointed with what is coming out of you? 
Have you seen the, the hurt that you can create in others through the stuff that comes out of your mouth, that comes out through your actions? It's not because you are undisciplined. It's not because you haven't studied the right self-help books. It's not because you haven't had the right strategies to figure out how to control yourself. But you need a new heart. You need Christ to come in to purify who you are. That, that for, for those of us that have made that commitment to be a follower of Jesus, to, to realign our focus on him again. To, to listen to his spirit's leading so that we're not going after in our own strength, but we are, we are living and walking in the power of his spirit. So that what comes out is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of His Spirit is produced in our lives. Let me invite you once again to call out to God to create a a clean heart within you. To be renewed by His Spirit. To be transformed by the changing of your mind and of your heart so that you are no longer defiled, but instead the, the stuff that comes out is His goodness, His fruit. Let's pray. Let me just say, it starts with an act of declaration of faith. By saying, Jesus, I can't do it by myself. I need you to come in and transform my heart, to make me new. I trust that your death on the cross was infinitely sufficient pay the penalty for my sin. And so I trust that you, have, that you have paid that price, that you have ransomed me from, from the path of destruction that I have been on, and I now put my trust in you. I, 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 I become your follower. I let you lead every moment of my life. I, I, I commit to living my life not on my own terms, by my own agenda, but, but to listen to you and follow where you would lead me. If that's something that you have never, that commitment that you've never made, let me invite you this morning just to in the, the quiet of your heart and the quiet of this moment, just to have a quick talk with Jesus. To let Him know your, your disappointment, your, 
your recognition of your own ugliness in your heart. And that you would then put your faith and trust in him, in his sacrifice, and that you commit to be his follower here this morning. Jesus, I thank you that you hear that prayer. And that you act on that faith. And that you now welcome those individuals into your family. That by your Spirit's power, they are now made a new person. A new creation. That right now, as they stand before you, as they stand before the Father, they stand clothed in your righteousness and no longer their own impurity and sinfulness. Jesus, we need your, your help every day, though. Because as much as I have made that commitment to follow you, so often I'm distracted by my own needs, my own wants, and go chasing off of your path onto my own. And I need to, again, with the psalmist, cry out to you, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit. Let me invite you to again receive that cleansing touch by your Savior. To allow your heart to be made new in His image. To walk away from this place. Not exploding with the, the vileness that's within yourself but instead blossoming, bearing much fruit, touching the lives of people around you with the love, the grace, the truth, the wonder of our Lord and Savior. I'm actually going to invite the Soifers, if you guys want to come up, why don't you lead us in that song here? I know we were going to do it at the end of this thing, but let's just sing those words from the psalmist, Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Would you stand together as we sing this song together? Spirit within me, create 
Salvation and renew a right spirit. 